everybody is talking about this so-called housing crisis, but really nobody is actually talking about what is behind it. Coming up on Studio Berlin, are measures like freezing rent prices or expropriating property the answer to Berlin's housing crisis? In our campaign, it's not communism 2.0. It's renters fight back and reclaim their cities. But what does it mean for Berlin's landlords? And are these radical rent control ideas healthy for the future of the city? There's no way to stop urbanization. People are going to continue to move to the cities because of the opportunities that exist here, the the freedoms and attractiveness of cities like Berlin. Stay tuned for more on Berlin's heated housing debate. Up next on Studio Berlin. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week, we're taking a closer look at the events shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. I just think that if the rents are left here open, that it will just keep rising and it will force a lot of people to become homeless. Well, expropriate um, apartments, organizations, I don't think that would do, because the main issue is that Yeah, we have this great gap between very rich and very poor people. I've been living in Berlin all my life, and I think the rent freeze is a good idea. I'm excited about it. I'm your host, Eric Kirschbaum, and in today's show, we're tackling the burning question, are communist ideas making a comeback in Berlin? What's going on with some of the radical rent proposals out there, like rent freezes and the expropriation movement, And can they possibly stop rents rising? For this week's discussion, I'm joined by Tom McGath, a coordinator for the Deutsche Wohnen and Co. and Eignen movement that wants to expropriate housing in Berlin, and Grace Dobusch, who's written about urbanization and the Berlin housing market for Handelsblatt and Fortune magazine. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. Ein Gespenst geht um in Europa, das Gespenst von Kommunismus. Or in other words, a specter is haunting Berlin, the specter of communism. With apologies to Karl Marx for borrowing the famous opening line of his Communist Manifesto, I can't help but wondering what's going on here in Berlin these days, almost 30 years after the Berlin Wall fell and communist East Germany collapsed. With all this talk of expropriating private property, freezing rents for the next five years, and introducing other kinds of socialist measures with the red, red, green Berlin city-state government, it's starting to feel a bit like communism is making a comeback here. What would you say about that, Thomas? Well, I would actually flip the question and ask, uh, in what world are we living in when masses and masses of people are being forced out of their apartments? Um, It's the reality of the corporate landlord, which has really actually become the prevailing uh, issue when it comes to the housing crisis right now. People are actually facing an existential crisis right now where they're going broke, um, they're being forced out of their apartments, and it's not sustainable in my opinion. So look, everybody is talking about this so-called housing crisis, but really nobody is actually talking about what is behind it. And in my opinion, it's what's called the real estate financial complex. This is something that has led to an intense commodification of housing through the rapid financialization of it. Um, In our wins and our campaign, it's not communism 2.0. Um, It's renters fight back and reclaim their cities. Right now, it's all about deciding what our cities look like. 
Uh, and most importantly, we want to make sure that we can actually live in them and that they can work for us, not the rich. And behind that, our main goal is that housing is treated as a common good, not a speculative commodity. But rents are rising everywhere in the world. It's a fact of life in Los Angeles, New York, uh, Frankfurt. Why is Berlin something so different, Grace? What, what do you think about that? Shouldn't rents go up? Isn't that a natural, healthy development for a, a thriving city like Berlin? Yeah, I mean, that's happening, like you said, in cities everywhere in the world. Urbanization, the the flocking of people to cities is happening in every major city in the world. And the fact is that, I mean, it's not new that housing is a commodity. It, that's what it's always been. The, the, the difference is now that I think in Berlin, it's just this interesting breeding ground of lefty politics and communal initiatives and the type of participation, the political participation that you don't have in, say, Los Angeles or San Francisco, these ideas might exist in smaller variations. But in Berlin, they've got a lot more people behind them. They've got a much louder voice. I mean, Berlin was an island. West Berlin was an island during the Cold War. Does Berlin want to be an island now? Does it want to be the only city in the world that keeps rents from rising and scaring investors away? Is that your idea, Tom, to scare the investors away from Berlin to come here and build more houses by putting rent freezes on them? I think uh, one thing that we're confusing a bit right now is also like this free flow of capital. So um, if we're talking about apartments and housing in a city, you know, these are inelastic assets. Where are we supposed to move the apartments? Are we supposed to pick them up and plant them down in Spain? No. This is a closed market. People will always pay for housing. In New York City, people are paying exorbitant amounts for really crappy rundown apartments. I don't get it. You know, if people want to live in midtown Manhattan, they know they got to pay a lot of rent. People want to live in the middle of Berlin and don't want to pay any rent for it. That doesn't work, does it? I think Berlin has a little bit of an underdog complex because it's been behind the times for so long. Its salaries still lag much behind the German average and behind the average of major cities in Europe. I think Berlin still thinks of itself as this little underdog, you know, just barely scraping by when the fact is it's now a world capital where, you know, uh, companies are competing with London and Paris and New York for talent. They're competing with uh, all of those cities in terms of getting capital for businesses. Berlin is a world capital now, but it's acting as if it's still this tiny little town that just wants to keep the status quo. Well, I would, I think I would actually disagree with that. Um, so Berlin, Berlin tried for about 20 years to become a world capital. Um, in, in the 90s and the early 2000s, it built and built and built. And the speculation on the real estate was something that uh, caused the massive crash in the late 90s actually where they built way too much. Berlin had the, the most open uh, and free office space in any city in the world. The, the companies sure because come, all of though. the industries fled um, during the when the wall was up and then after the wall came down, industry yes, fled Berlin. True. But there's also a difference between investing in the, I would say, prevailing skills that the city has than trying to attract new capital. Um, Berlin has never really done that in the past 20 years or so. It's sold off and privatized its public goods. Um, it's auctioned off its land. I think between 2001 and 2011, it sold off over 14 million square meters of apartments. That's 14 square kilometers, which would be a massive win for the city right now when it's lacking apartments. And but the city was broke and had to try to had to renovate these apartments, and they offered them to sale to the people living in them. Nobody wanted to buy them. I yeah. mean, they had the chance to buy the apartment 15 years ago for dirt cheap prices. No, mm -hmm. but nobody had the yeah. Nobody had the money because 
Berliners on average are earning much less than, uh, say, their compatriots in Munich or Hamburg. And so I don't think it's surprising that people who could buy their apartments in 2000-ish didn't because who has the money, especially in uh, Germany where you have to have so much money to put down as a down payment. Um, I think selling off all of that social housing just after 2000, Berlin, uh, by my numbers, sold off 400,000 apartments. They got 1.3 billion euros for it, which is like laughably low. At the it's, time, it's it was pennies. a lot of money. At the time, it, <laughs> At the time like a it was money. a lot Nobody of money. To buy them. Right, but it was still, you know, a drop in the bucket of its total debt obligation. So, um, but yeah, it was it was it was difficult times. The city was shrinking. Berlin didn't have any money. It Rents didn't look like falling. it was going to turn Property around exactly. But unfortunately, that was the trough. And then shortly thereafter, the rents, the people started moving back to Berlin and the rent started rising again. So it was really selling at the worst possible time. I think also what's important to remember here is that um, by selling off this this housing stock, um, it actually allowed the entry of these massive uh, real estate corporate landlords as well. Um, this is the dynamic that has really changed in the city as well. So when I was talking earlier about the intense commodification of real estate, um, I'm talking here about the financialization of real estate. So real estate itself is a financial product now. So the landlords in Berlin are unique in the sense that they are mass landlords. They are owned by asset companies that um, deal in commodities across the world. And through this, they're actually able to uh, extract more and more rent through their, their properties as well. Um, they're totally disembedded from the social fabric of the city as well, um, which means that they have one one goal, and it's for generating value for their uh, their shareholders in general. Um, and that's something that's not good for the city. When we're talking about a city growing and uh, and becoming richer, um, that's something that should benefit people, everyone in the city. It's not a fact that I think people should be displaced and pushed out to uh, poverty rings on the outskirts of the city. No, people should be able to stay in their neighborhoods. People are dependent on their connections in the neighborhood as well. For that to happen, for people to not continually get pushed out to the rings of the city, Berlin has to work with developers more to actually enable new developments to be built in these areas that are seeing uh, overly large demand. Uh, Berlin is a difficult place to build in, from what I've heard from investors and real estate folks. And I don't know how the city expects there to be suddenly affordable space when building is just uh, hemmed in at every corner. I would, I would, I would again also um, push back against that. So at the moment, there are actually almost sixty thousand open construction permits in the city. The city uh, developers can't build fast enough. Actually, beyond that, there's intense speculation on on property, which has led to a massive increase in property prices. So in in a sense, it's impossible to build affordable apartments in the city based on these macroeconomic criteria. It's simply not possible. So that's why I'm saying we need a system change that is enabling the city to actually come in and build affordable housing as well. That seems to me to be the big problem, that there's too much regulation and bureaucracy preventing enough housing from being built. And the, the boogeyman is not the landlord, it's the city government for not getting its act together. Don't you think so? Um, I would disagree with that. Um, I mean, I think it's it's both, to be honest. Um, from my side, it's a dereliction of duty of the city. So the city had has not been able to, I would say, uh, fulfill its role as the facilitator of social housing and public housing as well. As I said earlier, you know, they sold off massive tracts of land and privatized land that belonged to lots and lots of utility companies in the cities as well. 
this land actually should have been used to build more affordable housing. It should have been used to have inclusive projects of developments that would actually benefit the neighborhoods. But rather, it was sold off for luxury developments. So what is actually being built right now is for the upper price segment, which has absolutely no effect on average rents. We'll continue this lively discussion in just a moment. You're listening to KCRW Berlin on 104.1 FM. Public radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. You can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Eric Kirschbaum. I'm an author and freelance writer in Berlin and produce stories on Germany for the Los Angeles Times. With me are Tom McGath from the Deutsche Wohnen Co. and Eignen Movement and journalist Grace Dobusch, who's reported on Berlin's housing market for Handelsblatt and Fortune. We're talking about radical rent control proposals like rent freezes and expropriation. Tom, that's your whole thing, isn't it? Expropriating property from Berlin. It seems like a radical idea to me. Expropriating property from private owners. Tell us about that. (laughs) So our campaign has the very audacious goal of expropriating all mega landlords in the city that have 3,000 apartments or more. It's based on the idea that every city needs a thriving social housing stock. Um, to remain a socially integrated city, to remain a livable city as well. And for us, it's also the striking back or the fighting back against these mega landlords that we were talking about earlier. You know, Berlin has this very unique situation where there are several, several stock market uh, companies in the city that own a disproportionate size of the market. Our idea here is to bring it back to um, common sense um, and also bring it back to affordable and livable housing um, that was actually more or less the consensus in the in the 80s and the 90s as well. That is that housing is a right and not a commodity. That's a really unique German idea that it's an, a, a right, not a commodity. I mean, every other city in the world, it's a commodity full stop. Why is it such a special case in Germany that it's not a commodity? I think you have to look at the, the history of uh, Germany as well. So especially the article of the Constitution that we are uh, using is Article 15. Article 15 was brought into the Constitution as uh, kind of like the fail-safe against capitalism or the idea that, maybe not against capitalism, but the idea that another economic form was possible. So after World War II, you had the complete destruction of German society, um, and the framers of the Constitution said, we need something um, to basically fight back against possibly be used to uh, tip the scale and the people's power as well. Um, It's always this notion of democracy uh, against the market as well, that there needs to be this balance. There needs to be a counterweight there as well. Germany is a country that lives from free trade. Germany is the leading exporter in the world. They want free markets around the world, but they want this communist housing market in Berlin. I don't get it. Can can you explain that to me, Grace? How does that work? Why is Berlin (laughs) and Germany going in the communist track again? You know, I I don't 100% get it either. Um, I think that we've already started to see some of this expropriation happening in Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg in that district. The uh, 
the local manager of uh, living space for Friedrichshain Kreuzberg. He started buying up apartments by exercising Vorkaufsrecht, uh, the right of first purchase on uh, transactions that were happening in protected areas of the neighborhoods. And with that, he's bought up a couple dozen buildings, securing a couple hundred uh, apartments for social housing stock in his district, but he's kind of been a lone wolf so far. He's the only one regularly using this tool in Berlin, but I think it's been a bit of a template for uh, your, I'm assuming, your uh, uh, group there. Uh, actually, no, we don't We don't use that model as well, because for us, expropriation is a way to save money. So for us, it makes absolutely no sense to buy back the social and, and public housing at market rates. So we're saying, actually, this is actually not a, a sound financial decision for the city. Um, and for us, it's 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 necessary, yes, to do this, to stop um, these speculators coming in and buying up entire neighborhoods. But long term, uh, the city itself needs to take other steps. And for us, that's actually the recommunalization of these apartments. Well, it's obviously a really emotional subject here in Berlin. As you can tell in this room, it's getting a bit heated and emotional. Why don't we listen to some concerned renters? that there's a support for these radical measures like appropriation. KCRW Berlin spoke to some of them at a recent European Action Coalition event in Kreuzberg. It's necessary that uh, social housing, which was expropriated by uh, big uh, housing, real estate housing companies, which are really internationally financed, is taken back into the hands of the people and the people living there. Well, it's always very energizing and give up, gives us hope, I guess, that uh, seemingly impossible demands might be put on the political agenda. So, Grace, there's a lot of support in Berlin for this expropriation movement, but don't you think if it goes through and the rents are frozen for five years that investors are going to avoid Berlin and stay away from Berlin and there's going to be no new apartments built if investors don't come here and build? I think that that is a a real risk. We saw the stocks of some of these giant landlords drop after the uh, news that uh, Berlin was going to work on a law that would freeze rents for five years. So, um, yeah, these these companies are not really keen on Berlin as a location to invest in, knowing that there's this type of um, upheaval potentially happening. What do you say, Tom? I mean, would any person in their right mind buy an apartment in Berlin knowing it might be taken away at below market rates? Um, For one thing, we have to make the difference between um, buying your personal apartments. So we are not in favor of taking people's personal property. These are uh, wildly abstracted uh, corporations and companies that control thousands of apartments, you know. Um, For me, these are not the same thing. Um, It's very different in terms of the goal and in terms of the scope. Um, On top of that, um, I would say, actually, we don't want speculative investors in the city. We want to scare them off very clearly. We were at the uh, Aktionsversammlung, which is the, uh, I guess you would say, the stockholders, the shareholders meeting in uh, Frankfurt for Deutsche Wohnen. Um, One of our uh, campaigners there actually uh, did a protest um, and told uh, Mikhail Zahn, the CEO, to his face that we are your investment risk. For us, it's it's something that's actually, I would say, incentivizing uh, the mass displacement of people. When people pour so much money into this financial product that people are only seeing it as a pure profit conduit, that that's how you destroy the city. This is how you lose the city. But investors are the ones who are going to be building the new apartments that Berlin needs. Berlin's population is growing by 40,000 a year. Who's going to build those apartments? The city doesn't have the money for them. They need investors, don't they? 
The city does have money at the moment. Um, in terms of the, the property, um, we've always said that it should be actually financed through the rent as well. So our campaign right now, actually, uh, in terms of the exp expropriation, um, we say that it can actually be budget neutral because actually what you're acquiring is also not just land uh, and property. You're also acquiring active tenants that are paying rent as well. In cities like Helsinki, for example, this, uh, the city itself has a um, building corporation that, that is actually required by law to build 7,000 social apartments every year. Um, we want something similar like that. I think we all agree we love Berlin because it has been so cheap for so long. People don't worry about paying the rent. They can focus on other things. But I wonder, Grace, where do you think this is going to go? How is this going to play out? It's inevitable in every city I've ever lived in, New York, London, whatever, the rents were cheap and then they went up and that was a fact of life. Is Berlin going to have to go that same fate or does Berlin have some way to come up with a miracle solution that it'll be a great place to live but the rents will stay cheap? Well, I think it's it's already on that upswing, right? The rents on average have risen by uh, 75% in the last decade, I believe. And the city remains an attractive place. More people want to live here. So there's more stress on the housing stock. And um, there's no way to stop urbanization. People are going to continue to move to the cities because of the opportunities that exist here. The, the freedoms and attractiveness of cities like Berlin uh, is, is unstoppable. Berlin ha does have more protections for renters than many of the other cities you named. So I think Berlin is going to remain an unusual example of a city with renter power, but it's also inevitable that the rents are going to continue to rise. The thing is, Berlin needs to perhaps focus on getting its average wages up to match those increases. And that's, a, again, a job for the industry to work on. That's something about the discussion that always amazes me, too, that everybody's got the landlords as the villains out there. But why do companies not pay enough? Why don't people talk more about raising wages? Why don't they focus on that in Berlin, exactly. Tom? I think they should actually focus on this. But for quite some time, Berlin has actually been a bit of a playground for these startups that have kind of come from nothing. Um, you know, these bootstrap pay people minimum wage yada, yada, yada. That is unfortunate because, in my opinion, that has, has led to a, a bit of a discount for Berlin. And because it's been such a cheap place, these companies have been successful, more or less. But in my opinion, this wouldn't be a problem still if there was a thriving uh, stock of public housing and social housing as well. It's gone from 800,000 to something like 400,000 over the past 10 years. But this red, red, green well. government is really working overtime to try to improve the situation, aren't they? They're talking about building public housing wherever they can. They're doing everything they can, aren't they? In my opinion, I think the five-year rental freeze, it's a great breathing period. Uh, but unless they do something to, to build and increase the stock of public housing, then Berlin will be lost forever, in my opinion. What if you were a landlord and bought an apartment and you had to freeze the rent for five years? Would you be saying the same thing? I wouldn't be a landlord. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Somebody's got to be the landlord. Uh, I wouldn't be a landlord because, in my opinion, um, you're making your living off of rent based on other people's livelihoods. No, no. Some people buy an apartment for a retirement thing to have rental income when it's paid off. What about them? I understand that. Um, I'm saying personally, that's my opinion. So we're running out of time, but I'm wondering, Tom, where do you think rents are going to be in 10 years from now? Are they going to be higher or lower or about the same? I think that really depends on the political will in the city. So if, if the city is willing to take uh, drastic steps to reorient the market within the city, then we could stabilize the rent and, in my opinion, even possibly lower the rent as well. Um, beyond this, though, I think we're already seeing some indicators for an economic slowdown as well. 
which is why I think also quite a lot of the speculative building that is happening in the city is based on a bubble. In my opinion, once demand starts uh, starts falling in the city and, and globally as well, you know, the speculation that was based on increased rent is going to burst at some point. So I'm saying either the city itself uh, reorients the market into something that's much more sustainable or possibly that there's a big bubble in 10 years. It does sound a bit like communism, doesn't it, Grace? Well, yeah, the expropriation <laughs> is pretty, pretty, pretty patently communist, yeah. And do you see the demand in Berlin falling? I mean, no. uh, population is growing. Is it, is it, isn't it going to keep the growing? Popula- yeah, the population is going to keep growing unless there's suddenly an uh, overrun of uh, housing stock. I don't see any way that the housing prices are going to drop for the end renters. I think it's interesting, though, to see whether Berlin is able to uh, enforce some of the rules that are on the books regarding empty apartment buildings and empty houses. And the city is trying to go after them. They, the landlords can be fined. Uh, I think that's super important. You know, in terms of speculative investing, you know, empty apartments are the biggest sign of that. So that's it for today's show. Thanks for joining me, Tom McGath. Tom is the speaker of Deutsche Wohnen and Co. and Eignen Movement. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. And thanks, Grace. Grace Dobusch reports for the urbanization and the Berlin housing market for Handelsblatt and Fortune. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin, our new current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm Eric Kirschbaum. Make sure to tune in next Saturday and have a great weekend. <laughs>